Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well... Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Everyone talks about like falling in love, falling in love and being in love. And I think those are really important conversations, but I think it's also super important to talk about like staying in love. Like how do you plan to stay in love? Because it does take work. Yeah. And the type of loves like changes when things get hard or even when you have a family or kids are involved in you're exhausted, you're tired, and it might look a little different, but like, how are you going to intentionally do small things to like show the other person 
that you're still thinking of them or that you haven't lost that spark. And yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have just witnessed the 25th fantasy suites of our beloved game, and they did not disappoint. No, they did not disappoint. Fantasy suites. We were talking about some shit last season when we covered season... 24, Pilot Pete, a.k.a. Peter Weber, a.k.a. P-P-P-P-P, a.k.a. the child who grew up in the shadow of the mansion. A.k.a. fucked four times in a windmill. A.k.a. son of Sweet Nums. A.k.a. brother of Jet and Jack. A.k.a. son of 747 Flyer. A.k.a. my sweet boy. Bring her home to us. (laughs) Bud Bring her home to us, bud. A.K.A. Bud is true. They call him Bud and everything. Oh, bud. We said, in the end of that season, (laughs) that we were fast approaching a time when the fantasy suites were going to deliver us three Hannah Slusses, three perfect performances, and that with Mm -hmm. the coming of the professional era, we would start to see fewer and fewer errors, especially in playoff rounds when it really fucking counts, and you were just going to see studied players making every correct move. Tonight, that is what we saw. Three perfect performances, with some minor exceptions where hoojus are concerned, but in terms of non-sub-game play, these performances were (laughs) perfect. Errorless. We had... I would say a perfect play and two more perfect plays. That's the only way I can even separate them out. There are degrees of difficulty with each of the strategies, certainly. And we'll get to which one I thought was more difficult to pull off. But regardless, the strategies employed by each player were executed perfectly. We have manifested another prediction. (laughs) Congratulations to us. (laughs) <laughs> I hope it's because all three of these players listen to our show and they're using our, our strategies. I, God damn, I got to say, I think Michelle is a little bit. I can't even begin to describe how she played tonight. It was so beautiful and so perfect. Michelle, thank you for listening to all of our tips and tricks. And I just got to say, I mean, you know, here down in the deepest part of the pit, yes, there's horrible shit going on in bachelor nation right now and it is hard to keep watching the show and all that kind of shit but when you see a night like tonight that is just three fucking outstanding all-star players playing at the top of their fucking game i love it all over again the game is so fucking beautiful to watch when it is played at this high level it's just it astounds me like i could watch an episode like this again and again and again because there's just so much fucking in it that's like it's unreal to see the evolution of the game come this far and then to see the evolution of what a prototypical all-star player is at this point and and the unique the unique twists and turns that they all put on it they're you know they're taking the Seleucian they're taking the Madison Pruitt game strategy and they're tweaking it you know a Madison Pruitt for a season 25 for a Matt James. Ugh, it's beautiful. I agree. So, 
let's dive into this because obviously it wasn't all gameplay. There's some other shit going on in this episode. <laughs> oh my God. I just got completely lost in the gameplay and forgot about the fact that we just watched the most exploitative conversation on The Bachelor I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah, it was. there were some rough parts, oh, as there always man. are, but that is the nature of being a fan of this beloved game. But let's start it up, Pace Case. Let's uh, dig in here, and this is it. This is our analysis of the final round of playoffs from season 25, the historic season. First Black Bachelor, Matt James. Fantasy Suites, here it is. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We get the preview of what is going to happen in this episode. And it appears like we are going to be building to Rachel Kirkinell's breakdown this whole episode. I wrote here, I bet she gets third Fantasy Suite. I was right. <laughs> There's geese in the water. Not my creature. Well, <laughs> I wrote ducks. I don't know what they were. They were some kind <laughs> of waterfowl. That much I can tell you. Uh -huh. There were three of them on this pond strutting their stuff. One is... You think all animals strut? Only the ones who want creature of the week. <laughs> so... <laughs> there is one of these waterfowl in the far background. Mm -hmm. So far back, he's out of focus. Irrelevant. Okay. That duck or goose. What's happening? <laughs> that duck or goose. I'm telling you about these ducks. That duck or goose. Are you telling me that that one was irrelevant or is there a twist and he becomes irrelevant? He was in the shot. Irrelevant. Okay. He is not a End threat. Story. All right. But there's another one of these waterfowl that's right up front. Knows the camera's there trying to get on screen. But there's a third waterfowl who's like, no, I'm going to go ahead and swim right in front of you and steal your screen time. This duck taking no prisoners that will likely see a 10K bump from her perfect execution of a forced spotlight play is my... <laughs> Creature of the week. Oh my god. <laughs> I usually feel this way at least at some point in every episode. I feel like I can't continue, and it, but it's usually not this early. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this duck was doing magic out there on the water. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I really do feel like they were geese, but... They might okay. have been. Whatever it was, it was my creature of the week. Strong play, getting that right. screen time, nudging out the contender there, the opponent. After this um, <laughs> dramatic moment of the show, we get ponder shots of each of the three women. They are wandering down the paths of Nemacolin and looking out, presumably, at the creatures. Michelle reflects on how she LL3'd, told Matt she was falling in love with him. And this is a week where I get to really start to talk about the details of what life would look like, starting the beginning of a game full of future casting for Michelle this week. She says, I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with Matt, and I'm ready to tell him I'm ready. 
And then Bree, as she walks alone on the grassy path, says in an ITM that it's hard because he has connections with two other women still. And then Rachel finally walks down her own path and she ITMs that she feels in every ounce of her being that he is who she should be with and she wants it more than anything she's ever wanted. And this little montage begins every fantasy suites or pretty much every fantasy suites show, I should say. They reset with us where each of these three players are, what their game plans are for this round of playoffs. What are they going to be hitting? Are they going to use this wall? Are they going to use this love level? What have you? And they lay it out for us here. So we know what we're looking for. Yeah, we usually see ponder shots from the lead earlier on in the season, but they really ramp it up for the players, fantasy suites, and finale week. All of the women are in the Nima common room. And... DLH enters. He goes, this is really amazing and wild. The fact that we started with 38, well, <laughs> didn't start with 38. Here we are. <laughs> but we got to 38, he says, as though it's like, oh, the, could you remember back when those crazy players crashed the show? Oh, wait, Michelle, you're one of them. <laughs> and we didn't do it. Like, he's, again initiating this idea that the producers had nothing to do with it. It was like, what a zany time that was that we had so many extra players yeah, come in. Amazing and wild. <laughs> he says, each of you will have amazing romantic dates and, yes, overnight dates. Each will receive a fantasy suite card and decide as a couple whether you're going to get that out off-camera time. I thought this was very interesting that they very heavily explained fantasy suites. And like maybe the consent aspect of it. And there's been a consent element of Fantasy Suites since the very beginning. The lead produces the card, hands it to the player, and the player must read the sacred invocation. The phrase, if you will, if you choose to forego your individual rooms, you can stay as a couple in the Fantasy Suite. That is a piece of that consent because then the player is required to answer it. Yes, I would like to do it. Mm-hmm. They're, they actually have to look at the language in the contract of the sacred yeah, invocation. it is a contract. Sealed with the signature of the Dark Lord himself. This is the Faustian bargain. DLH then puts another little interesting flourish on this explanation. He says that off-camera time, you'll figure out, what does your life look like? Where do you live? What do you believe in? Kids? He's basically saying it's time for future casting here. And maybe you should make sure you are both on the same page for religion. Yeah. Meanwhile, he started the entire season with a Christian prayer over all 30 whatever players. It's like, if you don't know by now what he believes in, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, no. <laughs> but I think he had to put and that in there because are of Tasha. They know. Because, yeah, because she sent home. Ivan after Fantasy Suites. But he leaves the first overnight card and Bree is tapped to read it. This is a specific tactic used by the producers to agitate all of the players involved. They could just give this card to Michelle because it's her Fantasy Suite date. Instead, <laughs> they make Bree read it out loud. So she has to see Michelle written on that card. She has to hand the card to Michelle. Michelle has to sit there knowing that both players now have read the card and it just makes things awkward and shitty for everyone involved. This is a specific choice. And we think we're going to see this first fantasy suite start. We see Matt. He's pondering on his outdoor patio and he's talking about his walls. 
He says, one of the things that's been hard in past relationships is going deep. I guard myself. When tough convos come up, I ran from them. The fear of long-term commitment based on my family and my past. And then there is a knock-knock at his door. We are misled with the doors, just like we were oftentimes in La Quinta. And this time it's not, Michelle. It is his father. Matt says, for my relationship to move forward, there's a conversation that needs to happen. And that's with my dad. So they are at least making this seem like it is Matt James's idea, but I don't believe it was. I don't know if it was his idea or not, but he, at the very least, in this moment, seems like he's okay with it. Like this is something he's on board with. Maybe the producers came to him mm-hmm. and said, hey, we can get your dad here, but he's agreed to do this, it seems like. I just don't, I don't know. I... It made me question whether he's like pee-pee and just being like tossed around by the producers and like kind of coerced into stuff. I don't know. Could be. Um, I don't either. We'll never know. All we know is what was shown to us in the document, which begins in portion number two. His dad comes in and they shake hands and they give a little hug and they're smiling. They seem like they're on okay terms, at least in this moment. <laughs> The dad says this place is beautiful. Matt James uh, in an ITM says that he needs to address the demons in his life. We had demons on last season in La Quinta, you may remember as well. And then his dad says, he looks around the room and is like, you've done well. Essentially meaning like how nice it is, the level of opulence of this place. They sit down and Matt James asks his dad if he thinks he's ready for a commitment. And his dad says, yeah, you'll be great. Matt James tells him that he wants to be a dad and a father, and that means showing up and having these tough conversations and being there. And he's hinting at the fact, like, you didn't do that for me. But his dad is trying to deflect this conversation as much as possible. And ultimately, Matt James just comes right for it. He starts to tear up, and he says that he's closed off because his dad wasn't there for him. And having this conversation with his dad is necessary for him to move on and heal. Basically, Matt has this conversation with his dad, His dad says he can have that conversation, but he thought that basically he was coming here for a celebration. He didn't know it was to get, he says he doesn't really want to talk about the relationship with his mom. His dad ends up playing a PTC and talks about how when he, his father was killed when he was five um, and that affecting their, that affecting him. Matt brings up his father's infidelity and asks, hypothetically, would you want your daughter to be with somebody who disrespected and cheated on her? And his dad ultimately seems to come around and say he's apologizing, that they both want to have a good relationship in the future. Um, Matt's dad cries Matt cries I just like I don't even like want to summarize this because it kind of feels like we shouldn't have even been watching this conversation um it definitely felt like a private conversation and not something they should have put on this show um 
like you were mentioning that it reminded you a little bit of Deanie Babies, and I feel like it was similar to that, and like not. <sighs> this is Deanie Babies had a hometown with his father, and they had a fraught relationship. Um, but I do feel like them airing this conversation like this is one of the like most fucked up things they've done to a crown ever. Oh, totally. And as I'm watching it the whole time, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what did they cut out of this? How did they edit this? What are we not seeing? Right. And to present this in any other context, then here's all the footage, basically how they did uh, Becca Kufrin and Ari Landyke's breakup, where they made that pretty right. continuous. They didn't cut a lot out of it. I feel like to have a conversation this serious... It's the first time you have a black bachelor. Uh, you have to treat it with more respect than that at the very least. And they simply didn't, obviously. Now, all that said, the end of the conversation is a reconciliation. They do hug. Matt James does get what he said he needed out of this conversation. So it is, at least in the presentation of it by the show, this is telling the audience, this is a positive thing you just watched. Now. As you're watching it, the feeling you have might not your be feeling, positive. But I had a, I had a sick, I had like a a cramping stomach feeling watching this entire thing. I was like, yeah. this is just, I don't. And we should mention Matt James tweeted during this. He tweeted a three part tweet. He said, tonight's convo with my dad was hard to experience, and it's just as hard to watch all this time later, especially knowing the world is watching with me. I just wanted to say that too often we see dangerous stereotypes and negative depictions of black fathers in media, and they have consequences when presented without context. He puts a link here, and he says, All I hope is that people watch that conversation with nuance, care, and also an understanding that there are real systemic issues at play. I'm so proud of myself for being vulnerable, and I'm so proud of my mother. I wouldn't be who I am without my dad. That's a fact. The link that Matt James posts here is to an article titled Media Portrayals and Black Male Outcomes. From the perspective of most scholars who focus on the topic, there is a clear causal story that links media representations of black men and boys to real-world outcomes. The story can be summarized as follows. For various reasons, media of all types collectively offer a distorted representation of the lives and reality of black males. In turn, media consumption negatively affects the public's understandings and attitudes related to black males, sometimes including the understandings and attitudes of black males themselves. Finally, these distorted understandings and attitudes towards black males lead to negative real-world consequences for them. And then it goes on to talk about these media distortions, underrepresentation in media betrayals, etc., and negative associations that are exaggerated. And just to make it very clear, let's say Matt James was not coerced, and let's say that he really did want to have this conversation with his dad. All of it could have taken mm -hmm. place. The producers even could have shot it and then decided we're not going to put this in the show. So he could have gotten the benefit of that conversation without them making it this kind of piece of sensationalized dramatic interlude before the fantasy suites it was not yeah. necessary to have in this episode and the producers yeah. chose specifically to put it there 
Rachel Lindsay has also responded, by the way, to Matt James's tweet. And she writes, tonight's episode was so disturbing and disappointing for so many reasons. We'll be discussing on Batch Party Pod with Juliet Lippman. Well said, Matt James. So there will be more discussion of tonight's episode, obviously, from key players in Bachelor Nation. Rachel Lindsay, who's been shouldering the weight of most of the huge race controversy that's been going on for the past few weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say about this as well. But yeah, this was one of the most important scenes in bachelor history i feel like it's producer manipulation at one of the highest levels we've ever seen it is the first black bachelor it's everything you're talking about in that article the representation of black men in media it was just astounding to see that this was actually in this show that they shot it they cut it and they were like yeah let's air that (laughs) i don't even know what to say like the decision making is it's all based on the narratives that they need to tell and so they're like matt james is going to need this obstacle before he can go to fantasy suites so they write this little script about you need the closure with your dad and you have to reconcile what his relationship did to you and in one conversation you can be over that enough to then go have intimate overnight dates three nights in a row (laughs) everything about it read to me like they were like this is something that you need. You have this wall up. You need to get this wall down. This conversation needs to happen. Like, I think there's a 0% chance that Matt James on his own was like, hey, I don't know if I can do fantasy suites unless I have this conversation with my dad. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, I don't know him, but it seems unlikely. It seems more like, you know, them trying to get fucking Juan Pablo to go on Claire's season just blow up stuff for their own leads it was an incredibly difficult scene to watch and i mean it just this entire season has been incredibly difficult for all the reasons that we all know about and it just seems to be getting harder to watch every episode (laughs) and now i'm like yeah what the fuck is gonna happen in the next one there's one episode left how can they make it harder to watch but they're going to. I know it's going to happen. We're going to see this shit play out with Kirkconnell. You think they're going to do scenes with Emmanuel Acho where they, the, it's played on the back of his head and they just Frankenstein a line off face to him for all of his dialogue? They just completely make it up? It's Chris Harrison doing an Emmanuel Acho impersonation? I would not be surprised. There was a line that was not on face somewhere in this episode where I was like, this was at it. Well, that is how that portion number two wraps up with this very uncomfortable conversation. And I just felt bad for everybody on screen. I felt bad for Matt James. Yes. I felt bad for his dad. This scene was tough, but they get through it. They wrap it up with a nice little bow on the end. Matt James and his dad are standing outside. The sun is shining and all is forgiven. And now it is time for the ceremony of chemistry play that is fantasy suites. <laughs> it's that quick, the transition from hardest scene you've ever watched in the history of Bachelor 2. We got to get him in those fantasy suites. <laughs> Portion 3 begins with storm clouds overhead. Matt is waiting in a jacket, standing by some trees, and we see Michelle. 
coming down some stairs with an umbrella. She's slowly walking, but it is raining, and I start to get excited. Is she going to hoochie him? I thought maybe she would throw the umbrella to the side in some amazing prop play and then hoochie him. She did not. I wanted that to happen. I wanted any... Use the umbrella as anything. Put it behind him. Use it to pull him closer to you. Use it instead of a <laughs> umbrella wrist cling. Lock. Yes. Use it as part of your <laughs> cling. I'm down for that kind of shit. Yeah. It was very sad to see no hoochie here. She just gives him a smile, a shoulder shrug, and walks up to him, and they kiss under the umbrella. He says he had a glimpse into her life as a teacher on their last day, so he decided... They're going to get a spa day. And she lights up. This is great. But then he tells her it's a traditional Pennsylvania Dutch spa, which I don't think is a real thing. I spent five (laughs) minutes Googling it and found nothing. That's as much as I was willing to dig. I found literally nothing about rubbing butter on each other or fucking oatmeal feet or fucking milk baths. Okay. My My theory is that a Dutch spa is a thing. And then this is a Pennsylvania twist. Like maybe some like... These are some Pennsylvania foods. I have not Googled it at all, though. But Michelle does respond, and she goes, that made me nervous when he specifically says it's a traditional, when he adds this tack on of traditional Pennsylvania Dutch spot. She's like, they wouldn't have specified that unless it was some sort of added torture. She knows that these details matter. She knows this game. Oh, for sure. She's there all three of these fucking players are high level professionals. It's incredible. Like they know everything. <laughs> it's unfucking believable. Yeah. This is such high level play here. And she says, I'm ready to get closer to Matt with whatever that means we're doing today. That is exactly how you need to go into all of these situations. Full enthusiasm. Go with the flow. You're laughing the whole time. You don't even care that it's not a f- normal fun spa that it's got some weird twist that might give you a fool's edit and true to her word they walk into this fucking room and she starts slopping oatmeal on her feet she's rubbing butter on him she's getting in the milk bath there's the fucking bear behind him and it couldn't be less romantic they're getting a little bit of a fool's edit here but she rolls with these punches fucking perfectly and then later after they've done the humiliation part of the date they go lay on some kind of animal skin rug in front of a fire and they talk about uh, their how that date went and how special the prior week was. They both thought everything was great, relaxed, comfortable. And then she fucking brings up this question. Question of how do you stay in love? The way that Michelle is describing each of these things and that she's game for for everything She says, we can be sitting in a milk bath covered in butter and it feels comfortable. It feels like home. She is setting up this strong victimization storyline if she's not picked. And then as they're sitting there on this animal skin rug, she brings up this question. How do you stay in love? Because it does take work. Things change. Like, how are you going to intentionally do small things to let me know you're still thinking of me? And Matt James deftly avoids answering this question 100%. He's like, you know what? I haven't thought about it like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) She's basically asking him, like, how are you going to make sure that you don't get bored with me and I don't get bored with you? And he's like, hmm, haven't thought of it like that. Thanks. (laughs) This 
this speech by Michelle here saying that in, in her family, when they made decisions, it was very much a team feeling. And she brings up this concept of staying in love, intentionally showing the other person your feelings, was my. Play, 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 play of the game. It's not a love level race. It's not a wall. It's not a traditional play. But something that Michelle is able to do in this episode, which for me worked the best in this monologue, is this future casting. She's able to use these beautiful words. It's a crown it's a crown audition speech about marriage longevity and being for TRR and being like, this is what our life would look like. Um, and, you know, she's going to top it off with her love level four. She's going to go with that traditional play. Of course, she's a professional. She's not going to leave a love level four on the table. But I just thought this was such a powerful moment. And it's it's setting her up as an expatriate. It's like, I am intentional about my relationships. I've put a lot of thought into this. I care a lot about this. I have specific ways that I want my life to go. I know what I'm looking for. That is so the strong feminist independent lead that you want in a crown. Combined with this teacher, all the teacher stuff. I mean, my God. And I, and I think that's part of why she is so good at this is because she is a teacher and you're doing these low level manipulations on kids all the time. That's my theory. (laughs) Hey, I don't think it hurts. (laughs) I truly don't. And like we've said since the fucking beginning of the show, she played it perfectly. All three of these players just did everything right. So everything we're going to be talking about is just going to be in astonishment, basically, for the rest of the I could have chosen so many things for my play of the game. Like, I, there were, yeah. She closes this off, though. She's, he's like, I don't know how you do that. And he's like, she says, looking at my parents, I think I have a pretty good idea how to do it. I feel like I do. This kiss lead in line, they make out. She has turned this fool's edit date into a foreplay date with her strong play. It's, remarkable and then portion four begins night has fallen on nima colon and she will now get the second half of her fantasy suite overnight date we see some fountains matt james walks through the shadows and he waits for her outside a building she comes up it's a slow walk it doesn't look like there's going to be a hooju but there's not Sometimes looks can be deceiving. In this case, they are not. They are exactly as you would expect. There is no hooju. Two busted hooju opportunities wow. for Michelle. What an emotional journey. <laughs> Every time I see two people approaching each other on The Bachelor, it's an emotional journey for me. So with no hoojus under her belt for the last round of playoffs, they head into dinner and they sit down. She tells him, I hope you know you can talk to me about anything it's important for me to know why you are the way you are she says to him and he says you mean a lot to me and i want to know and i want you to know everything and that starts with my family 
And he, sight unseen, divulges everything about his dad, the conversation he had with his dad. And we're going to see him play this recounting of a wall he had and taking it down, but not in the presence of any of the players. We're going to see him recount that for each of the players in this exact yeah. moment on every one of his fantasy suites. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. I know. A parallel story on every single one? I don't think so. Usually, they don't tell everyone their deepest, darkest, but I don't know. He's This is a big part of his journey. He has to tell them all. But after he tells her the story, she says it feels right and it feels crazy. And she looks at him as her person. This is the moment that I wrote down was played off camera. Mm. When he's saying this speech, he says, when I thought about my mom and dad's relationship, I think about distrust, unfaithfulness, lack of communication. And it's something I wanted to talk to him about. And then this line, I had that opportunity was played not on his face. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. I was just looking for any hint. Yeah. Like one way or the other. And that, I mean, maybe I'm reading into it too much. But no, Look, <laughs> as you know, if they don't play a line on somebody's face, very likely they didn't say it. I'd say that's the, yeah. the strong probability. So who knows? But uh, she says it feels right and it feels crazy. And she does look at him as her person and she wants him to know where she's at. And she leans in to give him a kiss. That is where she's at. Strong chemistry game here. He produces the card from under a dinner plate that it looks like the food has been glued to. When he lifts it up, it does not move. And <laughs> the sacred ceremony begins. He produces the card. He hands it to the player. The player is asked to read the sacred invocation, which always includes the line, if you choose to forego your individual rooms, you can use this key to stay in the fantasy suite as a couple. And it always ends with a signature, Chris Harrison. The signature is always red, or in very rare cases, it is not. His name is always the last thing you hear when the fantasy date card is invoked. She says here, I would love the opportunity to truly get to know each other and hopefully progress our relationship. And I see it progressing our relationship. Again, she is using her words to be like, this is what I want to happen. This is what will happen. I think she's a word wizard. It's a little bit of manifestation, but I mean, if you really want to boil it down, it's what is known as neuro-linguistic programming. She oh, is telling him <laughs> what's going to happen, and then he is more apt mm -hmm. to go along with that game plan. It's beautiful. I mean, these are fucking professional players. None of them are fucking around. I know. I mean, she loads a precog here. She says, being able to know I'm in love with Matt is comforting. He's the one I'm supposed to spend life with. Hopefully a proposal. There's no question. I'm, there's no, I'm still deciding. I'm ready for things to get serious. And they enter the fantasy suite. And things do get serious up in this fantasy suite. Uh, they're sitting by a fireplace. We pop a cork from a champagne bottle michelle itms that she wants to be vulnerable on her fantasy suite night and she holds his hand on the couch and she says you know what it feels right to say it so i'm gonna say it i love you matt kiss perfect this is an ll4 Doesn't get better i mean just 
perfectly placed right after she gets the fantasy suite card. You show up at the fantasy suite. The lights are about to go out. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You say it right here. The last possible moment. Anticipation has been built. Boom. I wrote here in my notes, she is the Hannah Sluss of this season. She has played flawlessly in every round done nothing incorrect and it carries through here to fantasy suites this is just one of those things when you're a high level professional player like this you do not fuck up so in order to see who's going to win it's which high level professional player is going to do the thing that is hardest to do or craziest to do which one is really going to turn the game around a little bit and shake things up what michelle did here is like i'm not taking anything away from it this was fucking beautiful. I Sounds loved like you watching are. it. Well, it wasn't my play of the game and she wasn't my MVP. But like if she would have been on PP season, she would have been. I'm saying like every season now we're seeing it's like just getting inched up a little bit, a little bit. It's like in the Olympics in the beginning, you know, records would get broken in fucking swimming and shit by like 25 seconds. Now records get broken by 0.0001 seconds. That's where we're getting. Like the the gameplay is so high from everyone that to truly stand above, it's just by a fraction of a margin. Um I think she is absolutely the Hannah Sluss of this season, and I guess it depends on whether you think Hannah Sluss or Madison Pruitt was a better player because I think we have both of them this season. Yeah. We'll get to it. I agree. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't answer that question because they were both so fucking good. By the way, they intercut Matt about to hook up with Michelle, then making on the bed with Rachel Kirkinell, her anxiety ITMs. I am in love with Matt and he's with another woman right now. It's all I can think about. I'm going insane. It's like... They're helping build that narrative for her. I, they are. They are building that narrative, but it's like, can you just give Michelle her moment? She's just played a flawless game. Let's not fucking put Rachel Kirkinell in here. Anyway, there is an implied consummation. The light goes out. Portion number five. Yes. What did it begin with? We see two birds in a tree. And then a bird sculpture. And these birds were my. <laughs> Creature of the week. Specifically the one that the sculpture was based on. Mm. I love when they do little critters to represent consummation. So I'm very partial to the creatures that are between Fantasy Suite Part 2 and Part (laughs) 3. For me, if there was an error in this game, it was these two birds. The camera is on them. There is only one of them. The one sitting on the bottom branch is the only one of the two who appears to know that they're actually on camera. This is a wasted opportunity here to build a rivalry or a dynamic duo. These birds did nothing. These birds were not high-level players. Are you kidding me? They had a sculpture made of them. (laughs) It also, I think I like that when they're between portion two and three of Fantasy Suites, because my favorite part of Fantasy Suites is the morning portion, which is, I guess, technically portion five, four of it. You have the daytime, then you have the dinner, then you have the fantasy suite, then you have the morning. But these morning conversations are always so uncomfortable and beautiful and 
sometimes we get creatures to introduce them. And we get an uncomfortable conversation here. Matt James is in bed, shirtless. Michelle appears fully clothed. And she is doing some more teacher moves on him. She goes, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you right now? Matt goes, 11. They make out. And I was like, (laughs) I feel like she does this in her classroom and it's working on Matt James. (laughs) She's fucking good. And she she re-hits what... (laughs) What happened it's kind of like she makes these like thesis statements and then a conclusion summarizing she says i woke up incredibly happy she says i'm really happy i got to tell you what's on my heart yesterday and i love that i got to tell you i'm in love with you matt thank you for sharing (laughs) (laughs) she says thank you for responding like you did she's taking what he's saying even though it's nothing and she's like you know what that was a good try key line here They're both leaning out the balcony, and she says, I could get used to mornings like this. Remember that for later. But they kiss a couple more times, and she gives him one final LL4 as they get in the last kiss, and this is a basically perfectly played fantasy suite date, other than the lack of hoojus. I mean, this is just fucking flawless, as we've been saying all along. And then she walks down the path, Uh, Back to her room, I guess. And (laughs) he yells out the window her name. She turns around. He blows her a kiss. She blows the kiss back. You get this cute little moment. And in his ITM, he says, she has set the bar high. She could be my wife. He says, it's not hard to see a life with Michelle. No shit. She has spelled out every single part of it. (laughs) And that's what you're doing if you're going for a hardcore ring play here. You Mm -hmm. do all of this. You build in the bachelor's mind a vision of what that life will look like. You do that through practice and through words. And Michelle is doing both here. Just brilliant fucking play. Uh, a, A pleasure to watch. Thank you, Michelle. And then we get some more creatures. There's two geese. You pull out and it's a wider shot of three geese. All unremarkable. I said swans. Oh, maybe they were. We've slowly realized over this podcast, you and I have no idea what any animal is. I know what squirrels are. I know I what squirrels are. I'm pretty sure that are. one is a squirrel. <laughs> I'm sorry. You you know uh, you know squirrels. <laughs> There's only room for squirrels. Uh, I'm pretty sure these were swans. I think you're right. Um, then we come back to the Nima Common room and Rachel says she felt sick to her stomach thinking about Matt with someone else. Michelle comes in and Rachel says, they're not doing okay, her and Bree. How are you? And Michelle (laughs) says, I'm in a good mood. And we get this first moment where these segments are called girl chat. That's what the producers dub them when they force multiple players to sit down in one location and have a conversation about whatever the events might have been that transpired, a rivalry in the house, one of the other players, a villain, whatever. So in this case, they are all three made to sit here and have this conversation with the woman that they believe just had sex with their boyfriend. And she tells them that they rub butter on each other. This is twisting the knife a little bit. Or maybe she's just naively like, it was just fun. We had some butter. You can't really tell. She's playing this perfectly down it's the fucking very middle. very hard to tell. It's like she's trying to make it seem like she maybe got a fool at it, but the butter, it's like, mm. I'm like, maybe it is a subtle play to try to mess with their fantasy suites. But Rachel conjures tears 
in reaction to this. And I can't help but say it. Players who might be thinking about season 26 of The Bachelor. Once you get down to the final three, you must all come together and make a pact that you will not have these girl chats. Once it gets down to the last three and it's fantasy suites, there is no need for you to be sitting on that couch, twisting the fucking knives in each other's backs. You can simply go as a united front and tell the producers, no, we will not do this. And that is it. If you do it together, there is no recourse. The producers cannot penalize all three of you for it. The strongest unionization plays can happen at the end because they're like, there's no show without us. So, and these conversations between the three women are so horrible to watch and you're just getting them more and more since Pilot Pete's season when they're all rooming together for fantasy suites. Before that, everyone was separate and they didn't see each other and they didn't talk about it and Guess what? If you do a unionization play, that's what they'll do. The production is capable of handling that. But the players in this case do not unionize. They do not tell the producers, no, thank you. We will not submit to your Machiavellian machinations. Instead, they go through with it. They have this conversation. And then Brie goes to get ready for her date, which is, I guess, happening immediately after Michelle's. Is that what we're led to believe here? Michelle comes back from her fantasy You and I suite. have this conversation every season. Because I can never believe it's fucking real. They make them fucking I- <laughs> back to back to back in three successive 24-hour yeah. periods. Why would they let Matt James sleep? It does not benefit them. Uh, you're right. Like, you're right. I know that these are sinister motherfuckers who are trying to destroy people. I, I know that to be true. So why can't I wrap my head around yeah. the fact that they would force him this to do this in three successive one. days? I don't know. For Like I said, for some reason, it's that always interesting when I'm in the cynical, I'm in the cynical role. It's, <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the like life affirming, like for TRR role. Whatever the case, she ITMs that there's more pressure on this date than any date she's ever been on and doesn't know how she's going to keep her shit together. And before we begin, portion number six, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro, FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code Spotify to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Portion number six begins in the middle of the day. Bree walks through the woods down a long path. She is in her head about the relationship, but now is her time to continue to show him that she's falling in love with him. And (laughs) we get it. 
the first two Jew of fantasy suites. Bree Springs. She starts with a slow jog approach. Her arms are down, elbows bent. This is not what you want to be doing. She is wearing a big puffy <laughs> jacket, and that might contribute a little bit to her inability to have a full elbow lock as she's running toward him. The mount has no jump. This is a two-piece mount where she kind of stands still, hauls herself up on his shoulders, and he also has to help pull her up from the armpits the cling has no ankle lock it's a wide single wrist lock around the back of his neck she gets in a few nice kisses but it's sloppy and the dismount is hard to watch major back bend she breaks eye contact although she does manage to transition into a double hand hold overall i'm going to say this is probably going to come in somewhere in the mid to high sevens this is not one of the best we've seen this season no, but after a Hooju-less first fantasy suite, aren't you just glad to have something? You have no idea. I was almost <laughs> crying my own tears of joy at seeing this fucking Hooju because I was like, finally, she at least understands what is supposed to be done here. She didn't quite execute it very well, but thank you, Bree Springs, for respecting the subsport. I appreciate that. I think she totally respects it. I think she's got the, the highest distance to climb because she seems to be the shortest player. Matt introduces this date, says they're going to be hiking through the woods. They're carrying their sleeping bags and all their tools they need to navigate their trail. Bree says, it looks like we're going camping. Matt says she looks like Dora the Explorer. He tells her there's snakes out here, big ones. The first of his many boner jokes. (laughs) When she says, are we really going camping? She cannot hide it. This is the only time I saw a player crack in Fantasy Suites. She did not want to go well, fucking camping. You know what? Hannah Celeste cracked once too with a smile. Yes, she yeah. did. I'll never forget it. That was the only crack in <laughs> Celeste's armor. And here we see it in Brie. You know, she can't hide the fact that this is not what she wants to be doing, but she's trying. She's laughing at all of his fucking dick jokes. She's like, puts yeah. the backpack on. She's fucking trying to help him put up that fucking tent. <laughs> I felt so bad for her this whole fucking time. Ugh. I would have left. I mean, she just Fuck has this that. Day she camping. has. A- well, obviously, you have this psychological burden that is placed upon you when you think that, oh, I'm getting the shitty fantasy suite. I'm going to have to fucking sleep out in the woods. You know, she's just heard about Michelle's date, which was, you know, she didn't have to carry shit. She just had to rub rub Matt James with butter. There's a part of the state where in an ITM she says, I don't know how I always end up with my dates outside because I'm the least outdoorsy person. Now you have to fucking keep in mind something. When they're doing these ITMs, they're talking to a producer who's sitting like three feet away from them next to the camera that's shooting them. She's saying that to a producer. Hi, producer who sets up all the dates. I don't know how I always end up on my dates outside because I'm the least outdoorsy person there is. That's like a fuck you to that producer. Like, why do you keep doing this to me? (laughs) This is completely on her. When you're listing your phobias, you say, my phobias are massage, not the outdoors, not a real phobia. Or whatever you enjoy. You pretend to be afraid of that, so they will then put you on that date. Because the producers are never going to give you something you like. If they know you're afraid of something or you have some aversion to something, they will exploit it every time. So just use that to your advantage. Please, season 26, we better see some of this shit. (laughs) We should just start speaking directly to the season 26 players. We should be like, these are the things we want to see. 
I, well, I don't even want to see it. I'm, I'm like trying to help people's games here. You can do these things to help yourself through the game. Matt finally reveals we're not camping out here tonight after they've set up this tent. He says, we're not men or women of the woods. And she does admit, yeah, I was like, please don't let this be camping. <laughs> she says it was hard to see Michelle walk in from her date because there's strong feelings involved. They talk about meeting Bree's mom and... Then Brie, they make out, and Brie ITMs, I have to show Matt what life would be like with me as his wife. And I was like, exactly. Ring winner strategy here to the T. And then portion seven begins. It is night. We have three deer silhouetted against the Nemecolon sky. And they were not my creature of the week. You might remember my creature of the week was up front. <laughs> Uh-huh. It was a waterfowl. Who can forget? <laughs> but they do like this deer silhouetted shot a lot. We've seen it in like three or four episodes. Does yeah. it have special meaning? I mean, it's beautiful. Bree loads a precog here and says, if Matt got down on one knee tonight, I would 1,000% say yes. Matt does a callback to his alliteration phrase that he thinks is super funny from earlier. Tell me, woman of the woods. <laughs> Worth noting, she also did know Huju on this night portion. I know she was in a nice dress and he was in a suit. Kind of doesn't fit the mood, but opportunity wasted. Katie Thurston did a night Huju. Indeed. Matt says he's thinking about what our life would be like outside of here. I met your mom. I'm thinking about you potentially meeting my family. Bree says she sounds like an amazing woman. I would be lucky to get the opportunity to meet her. And she... Checks in, says, I want to know how you'd feel about an engagement coming up in such a short period of time. See where your head is at. Matt deflects. That's a great question. (laughs) Things in my life held me back. And then he tells her the same father story. And she pulls out a mirror PTC here about her own estranged relationship with her dad. I thought this was a fucking, like, that type of shit is fucking late game mirror PTC on a fucking fantasy suite. Second round of playoffs, that's high-level shit. Like, that's a PTC she could have played all season. She's saving it for this moment just to fucking be like, barang, here you go, dude. And fucking incredible. I mean, she has played she has played portions of it, but this was like a new area of it, saying her dad has never been part of her milestone movements. And she, by the way, she pulls tears here. Tear play to punctuate that PTC. Um... And she transitions this PTC into a love level raise. She says, I want my dad to see the woman I've become without him. It would probably give him peace of mind. It's hard hard to not be authentic through this entire experience. I want to remind myself why I came. I still feel 100% ready for an engagement after this, pre-cogs. And what I'm feeling is that I really am so in love with you because it means the world to me that you understand me and it really just goes to show why I love you and the things that I love about you. Love level four. And Matt James then produces the card from under another plate, hands it to her, she reads the sacred invocation, she delivers consent, they kiss, they come to a bedroom with a fire and some animal skins, pop champagne, we've seen that before, kiss, kiss, kiss. They, in quotes, kick the cameras out and Brie ITMs. I want Matt to wake up tomorrow morning and think he's waking up to his wife. Fucking exactly correct. 
the door shuts, the lights go out, and we are led to believe that they have consummated this relationship. Uh, this is just fucking perfect. I can't believe this, and yet I can because we predicted it. But still, to see it actually happen, three perfect fantasy suites is fucking astounding. It is astounding. I mean, it's rare to not be able to find a, a single error. Or even like something somebody could have done better. It's not even like, yes, mm-hmm. there's no errors, but everything that is being done is not only the correct move, it's done at the highest possible fucking level. Michelle theoretically could have done that umbrella toss hooju. <laughs> That's true. I mean, look, there so, are, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what? You're right. There's room for improvement and we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> we're going to see an umbrella toss hooju. But... Just the base plays that you normally make on fantasy suite dates with raising love levels and using walls and chemistry plays and all that kind of stuff. It's just perfect. These are all perfect. We get a series of creatures to represent this consummation. A swan and multiple, I want to say, cows. I have a goose and two sheep. Oh I probably neither of us is fucking right. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, okay. probably one of us got one of those right. Oh, my God, I'm crying. Whatever it is. Multiple um, animals. <laughs> none of them were our creatures of the week. And we wake up the next morning. The morning portion of Bree and Matt James's fantasy suite. And Bree says, I think I could really get used to this. Almost the exact same future casting line that Michelle used the next day. As she caresses Matt James shirtless and they kiss. And Brie takes it a little bit further saying, Last night was everything I expected and a little bit more. Keeping the theme of the dick jokes that he's been building throughout their entire camping date and basically their entire date at night as well. Yeah, she's picking up what he likes. And she says last night just reaffirms that I'm in love with you. They kiss and she just drops that LL4 again right there on him. And then Matt does a kind of forklift move off the bed, forcing her into a cling position. This is not a hooju. Don't be mistaken here. It is not a hooju. <laughs> there was no approach. There was no mount. I didn't see the dismount. I assume there was one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Implied dismount. We get some more butter play here. Matt James fries a shit ton of butter and Brie says, you're going to kill me and fatten Brie up. She says, every time gets better and better to him. And he, he is silent and then they kiss, which I was like, that's a weird moment. Did you notice this? Yes. He, that's kind of his play with a lot of things where people are raising love levels on him or saying how they feel. He's just like, thank you for sharing, kiss, or leans in and kisses. He uses the kiss to kind of like stop conversations he doesn't mm-hmm. want to have. Uh, Bree says, I'm just in a state of pure bliss. Again, both her and Michelle are doing a very strong victimization setup. She says, I feel like I'm on cloud nine, so in love. They kiss at the threshold. Rachel and M back at the Nima common room are talking and Rachel says, I don't want to see her. And Brie walks in. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is even if you don't want to unionize in moments like this, like Rachel Kirkconnell could have just gotten up and left. So could have Michelle. You don't have right. to stay there for these Sarah things. Trott's, uh, tower isolation chamber. 
But instead, they subject themselves to it. And even though Rachel says she's worried that hearing Brie talk about her date would be too much for her, they're all made to have this girl chat. And Brie comes in and tells them about the backpacking and camping date. And Rachel is taking deep, cleansing breaths. And you hear her kind of be excited. Oh, was that your fantasy suite at tent? And she's like, no, we eventually went to a hotel. <laughs> and Rachel's like, oh, fuck. She was hoping maybe there was some <laughs> silver lining, some horrible fucking thing that Brie would have been subjected to. And Rachel pulls tears here again. And she says, I'm really feeling the pressure about our time. There is something so unnerving to me in these ITMs, specifically in this episode by her, which is she's matching a very similar tone and mood of her apology video that she posted on Instagram. Mm. Did you feel this at all? I didn't. It's like this, like, the weight of the world is upon her. Mm-hmm. She says, I know I love him. I don't feel like I could live without him. I'm just scared he's going to hurt me. Tears. And it's like, these are two, both Michelle and Brie are doing a similar setup to be heartbroken. Like, I'm so happy that any if they get broken up with, they're going to be crushed. Rachel is doing a different play, which is a crown victimization strategy where she's like, if he breaks up with me, I'm going to die. It's a little bit of like kind of an implicit fighting of the process. You you see players do this a lot, actually, when it gets down to these final rounds where it's like, I can't deal with him being with other people at this point. That the very construction of the game, the Seleucian protocol, you know what you signed up for. Madison Pruitt did this famously, obviously. She's pulling that. And this can lead to one of the only self-eliminations that might not hurt your chance for crown, which is one that's like, it was just too much for me. I can find love. The process does work for me, but I can't take him still dating other people. I don't know. I feel like that that hurts the process, though, that you can't handle it. It just means you're too for TRR. But you can date 30 people. At any rate, Mm. I think that it is kind of a crown play because if you get so emotionally crushed by the process, it's the same as if you're getting emotionally crushed by The Bachelor. It doesn't matter. Like that Mm. outcome will be the same. And she's setting it up here in these ITMs saying like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. The whole he's with another woman right now is very Madison Pruitt. And then portion nine begins. It is daytime. Matt stands on a shirt and looks into the future. He rubs his hands together. Storm clouds overhead once again. Thunder in the distance. They sweetened that sound. Whoever their audio editor is laid in a little extra rumble on that Hmm. one. And uh, Rachel ponders. She ITMs. She's the most nervous she's ever been before seeing him. And she walks toward him down this long path. A hooju? No. This is an anti-hooju. Hands in pockets. Slow walk. Head down, terrible body language, not smiling. The only thing open about Rachel here is her odd belly button cutout in her t-shirt. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> How did I miss that? It's Fuck. all I noticed. Oh my God. I'll rewatch it tomorrow. It's just the a whole little thing. circle. Okay. But she is doing something here. She is letting Matt James know this is a make me stay, motherfucker. You might have had it easy with your first two fantasy suites. Now you got to work for me. And we haven't seen that yet tonight. 
This is a completely new fantasy suite strategy that she is beginning to employ even from the first moments he sees her as she is walking down this fucking path. This is the body language of super walls. She walks up to him and he says he's been thinking about her. And she says, I've been worried about that. I don't know what the fuck that means, but she's starting it off with this negative emotion, worry. Oh, you've been thinking about me? I have worries. He immediately is thrown <laughs> off his fucking game. He thought this was going to be a fun time, making fucking clay pots. No, dude. Uh-uh-uh. It's going to be a weird, silent instruction with Lauren, the ceramics instructor, who is mid making a bowl and she tries to wipe her hands as they come in and lauren was my jorge 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 moreno bystander of the week lauren forces these love metaphors here so hard she said start with a really strong foundation the great thing about ceramics is that it's really like building a relationship. What the fuck, Lauren? <laughs> I thought the great thing about ceramics is you get pots. <laughs> Lauren was also my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week look when they bring you into this fucking show you're just reading whatever they fucking put in front of you and these stupid fucking metaphors that they always do with any jorge moreno bystander of the week it's like you have to liken whatever you're doing to a relationship it's a pot it's fucking hilarious to me she says you have an idea in your head about how things will turn out but things change so you need to be flexible and understanding Thank you, Lauren. We've been seeing this recently. PP, if you'll remember, had a promo where they were making a clay pot and hands were coming in around him. This is a direct if reference. If I remember. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the most traumatizing video I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it wasn't good. But this was done by the ABC marketing department, of course. It's a reference to a movie from the mid-90s called Ghost. So this is a movie that's 25, 30 years old. No one watching the show today gives a fucker knows what it is. They did a poster for Claire Crawley season that was a reference to The Graduate, a movie that came out in the 1960s. No one watching The Bachelor was even alive then. No, no one was alive. Who's alive today? And then this is another fucking ghost <laughs> reference. They're doing it again. I don't know who's coming up with these things, but they need someone who is not 75 years old. <laughs> old white men are coming up with these things. I encourage you all to look up the Pilot Pete promo. I, I would just Google search Pilot Pete ghost clay promo bachelor. Look that up. You'll find That'll it. That'll definitely do it. <laughs> But our player and our lead indulge this. They put on smocks. They put uh, some clay on some spinning wheels. Lauren's telling them that ceramics is relationships. Your fingers are going to go inside the hole. She does a little Matt James, steals a little Matt James thunder here with a little vagina ref. 
Rachel's obviously not happy about this. She does not want to be doing this. She is not smiling. Matt James keeps looking over at her with this smile on his face like, come on, fun, right? Uh, and she's just like, this fucking sucks. And eventually she tells him, I can't do this. We need to talk about something. They abandon the clay pots and they go to sit on this couch. And she basically says this week was unbearable for her. She pictures him as her future husband and knowing that he spent intimate time with other people, she doesn't think she would get through this week. It's the lowest she's ever felt. But here she does a little turning. This is where you think she's going to fucking implicitly shit on the process. Instead, she's like, but I get it. You have to explore these other relationships and I want you to because in the end, I want that decision you make to be certain. I just need to know where you're at because I feel like I can't handle losing you. This make me stay was my play, 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 play of the game. This is high level shit, ladies and gentlemen. She's got this wrapped up. She could have come in and played the straight game like Michelle and Brie did, but instead she upped it a notch here. She put doubt in his mind, which makes her more valuable to him on a psychological scale. If the other two players are nothing but enthusiastic, I love you, I love you, I love you, I can't wait to spend my life with you, great, you're riding high. She comes in and says, you might not be able to get me. Prove that you can, and he has to do it here. So she puts fear in him. Then she says, but I understand you have to do what you do. All I need from you is just to say you want me here. And of course he's going to do that because he does it every fucking time. (laughs) Make me stays are high risk, high reward plays. And this is one of the best make me stays we've ever seen. And I do think she is modeling it after a Madison Pruitt, but the risk you're running with a make me stay is they're like, actually, don't stay. I don't want to make you. It can certainly happen. We saw it happen with Tierra Lacazzi on season 17 with golden boy Sean Lowe. She was a villain and she had probably the best IFI game we've ever seen of any player in the history of mankind. And mm-hmm. <laughs> certainly he didn't keep her she said make me stay and he was like i don't think you should stay and that was that it fucked her but here kirkconnell pulls it off perfectly and at the end uh, he tells her all this stuff about seeing her hit the ground in the skyfall episode really shook him and he didn't know what it was gonna be like to lose her and he fucking ll3s her he had already love level threed her but he re-hits it here and i don't know if he even remembers that he's already done that so It might as well be a fresh LL3. And then she fucking LL4s him, but she puts a little juice on it. She hits the mythical, the legendary, the only whispered about in stories, LL5. (laughs) She says, I'm completely head over heels in love with you. This is not, I love you. This is not, I'm in love with you. This is, I am head over heels in love with you. There is no LL5. We all know that. But if there was, this would be it. (laughs) Then they go back to fucking making clay pots and they make a mutual clay pot ghost style with hands around each other. 
And then they make out covered in clay. Clay play. Say what you will about Rachel Kirkconnell. I know she's at the heart of the scandal and everything like that. In game, though, what she is doing on the field, it can't be denied. Objectively, this is fucking incredible play. It's very hard to do what she did and not be penalized for it. No one has gotten a love level three raise out of him except for Rachel. And he carries her out of the out of the clay room, leaving Lauren to clean up their mess. And it's almost like in fantasy suites because it is the initiation really of the final level of the chemistry game that all three players are putting into it here. Doing something like this to separate yourself from the group, to make him make this choice psychologically that like, oh shit, I have to put extra effort into this relationship. He did not have to do this with anyone else. She doesn't know that going in necessarily, but this is a great strategy to force that kind of pre-choice in his mind. So now when he's coming to that rose ceremony, he's like, okay, both of those dates were great, but fuck, I need to keep her around. Like, she is worth that effort. Yeah, it's a little Victoria Fuller with the, the timing. And then we come to portion number 10. Night falls on Nima Cullen again. Matt rubs his hands in the night. And Rachel walks up, hands in pockets again. She's freezing. They kiss. <laughs> they enter a domicile called Mallard's, Mallard's Landing. Landing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little cottage set up for them. And Rachel ITMs that she had some walls, but she sees him as her husband. And there's a special intimacy that you can't share with anyone else. And that's what she's looking for tonight. She tells him as they sit down to dinner that uh, she's mad at herself for being so worried earlier. She struggled with her guard being down and being open and honest about how she feels. Rachel says that she's worried about getting hurt and getting heartbroken and asks, have you had any worries and insecurities throughout this whole thing? And Matt, (laughs) right on cue, launches into his story, says, what's holding me back from that next step? Not having my dad around, how that affected us, projecting things onto relationships, etc. This is it. This is his third use of the dad story on three consecutive fantasy suites. I, I really like we haven't seen that, right? I know we talked about this earlier, but I'm still just kind of like so. staggered by it. I feel like we've seen them and like maybe they edited out where they maybe he told all three, but they don't air it. About like some big thing or horrible thing or PTC. No, and it and I'm thinking about all three of their reactions, and it's like Michelle and Bree were like grateful he was sharing that with them. Rachel's reaction is like, I hate to, I don't know what you went through. You learned. You would have chosen it to be different. You are the man you are because of those things. And you know what? She's in that red dress here. That's where the cut scene was from, right? In the teaser that they played at the end of episode one, where they show you all the footage that's going to be coming up for the rest of the season, there is a shot in that preview that has footage of Rachel in the red dress she wore tonight at Fantasy Suites talking about how she, in quotes, acknowledges color, but love is love. That has been removed from this program for, I believe, obvious reasons. Yeah. But I agree. She handled this perfectly. She said to Matt James, I know you would never walk away from a family and you're all I think about and I think about our future together and you proposing. 
She says, I know you're the perfect husband. All I think about is you and our future and you proposing. She's just leaving this trail for him. You're not going to leave our family. Think of our future. You'll be proposing in one day, 24 hours. It's like hypnotic almost what she's doing here. A brilliant end to this uh, fantasy sweet dinner. And then, of course, they kiss and pulls out the card. She reads the sacred invocation. She agrees. They come into a hotel room, lay on the bed, kiss, and they get fireworks. Uh, <laughs> lay on the bed. Back up, buddy. What? <laughs> Rachel shoves him onto the bed. It was a little bit of chemistry play that I really respected. <laughs> fair and then they kiss and there's these fireworks outside their window have we ever seen fireworks on a fantasy suite date you know i don't i i don't think this is unique like i can't remember what date it was what other fantasy suite date it might have been but this does not feel unique to me i think we have seen it before the thing that i was surprised we didn't see here were reaction shots from Bree and Michelle. Like, I couldn't believe the producers didn't, like, shove them out on a balcony somewhere to get them to watch these fucking fireworks. Well, you know they recorded them. Absolutely, that footage exists. They probably were like, you know what? I think it's a step too far. We already have the whole dad thing. Let's lay off. (laughs) Well, also, I think they probably, because of the Kirkconnell controversy, eliminated that. You're probably right. But it is a specialty date um date item both because only one of the fantasy suite dates got fireworks and it targets the other remaining players psychologically and rachel says as if my time couldn't with matt couldn't be more magical I really do love this man. Want to spend my life with him. I hope he goes and gets a ring while I'm asleep and I wake up with a ring on my finger. Couldn't be more for TRR. And then we begin portion number 11, the final portion. The players pull up to the rose ceremony. DLH greets them at the front door. He checks in on what love level they're all at. Michelle says, this is the love I'm looking for. DLH is like, you're there. You've love level forward. He greets Bree. She says she's in love with Matt. Michelle and Bree do a little handhold here. I like those little second audience moments. And then Rachel shows up, says she feels nervous, but feels good. She loves him. Never been so confident about anything in her life. Matt James pulls up and he comes to face them. He gives a little speech. This week has been monumental. Didn't think these strong feelings were possible to have for more than one person. Hardest decision I've ever had to make. We get that a lot in the fantasy suite round from our leads. The admission that this is the hardest decision of their lives. The rose ceremony begins. First flower goes to Michelle. Second flower goes to Rachel Kirkconnell. DLH emerges, delivers the Tamsig to Bree. Take a moment, say your goodbyes, Bree. And Rachel gives a tear at the dismissal of her fellow player. And then we move out to the dumping bench where Bree... Gives us a tear play, and Matt James says he's sorry. Not that he was looking for some justification for this, but there wasn't anything that came up. That's what makes it so hard. Matt James is essentially saying, you played a perfect game, sorry, and this is a fucking beautiful moment because that's what we're talking about when we say a perfect Zero game. Zero errors. He's giving her a game breakdown. <laughs> 
He says there isn't one thing I can point to. She didn't give him an out. That is what the lead is looking for in these late rounds specifically, but really through the entire game, is a justifiable reason to dismiss players because they know in week one, night one or week one, week two, they know by that point who their ring winner is going to be. Everything else is just the producers arranging chairs on the fucking Titanic. And anytime you say something, do something, give the lead a hint of not there for the right reasons or not emotionally ready, whatever it may be, they will dismiss you and be justified. Therefore, they will not seem bad to the fourth audience. He's telling Bree here, you gave me nothing, but I got to yeah. send you home anyway. <laughs> I know this is going to look bad. <laughs> uh, she pulls tears here as well, further tears in the limo, and she delivers first to Matt this exit speech. I can't be upset, but I can be sad and disappointed and hurt. Obviously, I gave a lot to, I gave up a lot to be here, referencing her sabbatical that she quit her job to go on the show. It's hard to not think about being able to see you again, especially moving on to someone else. And she gets in the limo and she says, it's really disappointing and sad that it wasn't me. I thought what we had was special, but it couldn't have been all for nothing. It really couldn't have been. I do wish I was standing up there still. Her exit speech is so 4TRR, punctuated with the fact that she is a beautiful, beautiful crier. Um, this exit speech was almost my play of the game because it was just, yeah, you know, flawless. Like Matt James said, couldn't point to anything. And we get the preview of both Rachel and Michelle meeting Patty James. Patty James is... Dark statement, love is not the be-all, end-all. It's it's kind of an opposite of a Sweetnums. Sweetnums hysterically crying, like, please propose to this person. And Patty James is like, well, there's other stuff in life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also see we're going to get to meet Matt James's brother and we see a few shots from some of the final dates kissing Rachel in the snow a repelling date with Michelle and it looks like his mom might make him cry that's the way they were cutting it but Matt James is going to be crying and DLH is going to sit down on a curb next to him and ask him if he can do this anymore and he's going to reply he doesn't know he is not okay that clip we've been seeing in every preview this is the fence jump moment of season 25 congratulations you're thinking about blowing up the bachelor that is essentially what it seems like or what they're pushing it toward and then we get a tag of brie and matt making s'mores on an open fire and he cooks some in a piece of tinfoil eats it and then spits it out either due to heat or aluminum poisoning we don't know (laughs) seemed like poisoning but that's it that was our fantasy suites who is your MVP? Michelle Young was my M M M M V P. This was the hardest episode for me to pick one because like like we have been saying each one of them made extraordinary plays. I mean Brie hit that PTC and had that beautiful limo exit. 
But Michelle just, for me, blew it out of the water. I knew she was capable, but I felt like I was watching a profoundly talented teacher maneuver her way through this situation due to preparation and wordplay. She loads, she, she delivers the precog. She did that perfect marriage longevity speech, my play of the game. She turned a potential fool's edit with this Pennsylvania Dutch, like, <laughs> bizarro room into a chemistry foreplay date. She loved level Ford. She added these little, tiny little details to her date description when she comes back to the Nema Common room to maybe fuck with the other players. I loved everything that she did in this episode. I did too. I'm not taking anything away from her. Her performance reminds me of in football when a team has like a pretty good quarterback as starts the season and then that quarterback gets injured and they put it in the backup like halfway through the season and the backup is just lights out <laughs> like 10 times better than the original quarterback. That guy's the starter now. The old quarterback loses his job and you're like, why the fuck wasn't this person in the game sooner? That is exactly what it felt like to watch her tonight that it's like she's a fucking superstar and had she been given the ability to play from the beginning of the season i think this all might be very different you think she might be a ring winner yeah and dlh wouldn't be fired i don't know what happens with all the dlh being well, fired DLH, and all that shit, maybe but. you should have started with 38 this, this is all on you <laughs> should i add michelle young in the game longer keep your job she played a, a perfect game as did brie now I will just say this for my MVP. I weighed all of these performances, all of which were perfect. Uh And I come down on this side. Again, say what you will about her personal life, the scandal, all of that. But I am basing my MVP solely on what happened on the field, on the play itself. Rachel Kirkconnell was my... MVP. This Make Me Stay was fucking mind-blowing. I mean, I've just never seen anything like it. And she has, of the three fantasy suites, I thought hers was the strongest. She, of course, gets rewarded the Rose. Like, Brie played a perfect game, too. Unfortunately, she went home. And, like, there's nothing she could have done about it. Matt James even said, like, you didn't give me a fucking reason. So it's hard to determine, like, who actually had the best game in this round of fantasy suites. For me, it was Kirkconnell simply because she did a higher degree of difficulty, higher risk, and I believe got the higher reward and will get the highest reward at the end of the season potentially because of it. Everything Michelle does has a much higher degree of difficulty than everything Rachel Kirkconnell does because she entered the game with less weeks under her belt. You play on the same level as everybody else in the playoffs. Nothing matters once you get to playoffs. That's a different game. I'm just saying, if we're talking about, you know, highest degree of difficulty, entering the game midway through and being the runner-up is fucking incredible. Absolutely. I'm not knocking it. I believe Mary Delgado is in that upper echelon of like greatest players of all time. And she did that. She came in late in a season and won the fucking ring. These are not unimpressive feats. I'm simply looking at who played the best fantasy suite. For me, it was Kirk Connell. Okay. <laughs> but there you have it. 
that is season 25 final round of playoffs has concluded. Can you believe we are at the end of season 25? There's one more week left. The uh, the presidential aging metaphor just feels so much more and more <laughs> apt. I'm like, I feel like I, use, I look at old pictures of myself. I'm like, I was Obama in 2008 back during Pilot Pete season 24. <laughs> we were now innocent then and now we are not no one in the bachelor nation is innocent anymore it is weird to like we talked about at the beginning of this episode though the predictions that we made based on pp season have all come true Mm -hmm. and we are seeing errorless fantasy suites rounds like is it just going to be like that forever yes it doesn't go the other way I think we're going to start seeing more highly experimental play in the coming seasons. People coming in and saying like, I understand the structure of the game. Now I'm going to fuck with it some. But yeah, and also just seeing the players adapting the games of the strong players before them. I felt Madison Pruitt coming through in a lot of these, a lot of this Rachel Kirkconnell wall game this episode. Totally. As well as... The tears of Victoria Fuller maybe mixed a little of the two. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that modern players at the very least are extremely studied on the most recent season, the one that happened before they went on. They all watched that shit. But thank you, everyone, for listening to our breakdown of this Season 25 Fantasy Suites round. If you're curious about some of the most important moments that have ever occurred in the history of Fantasy Suites... This is all 25 seasons dating back to March 25th, 2002. We put out a top 10 moments in the History of Fantasy Suites episode this Monday. You can listen to that on patreon.com slash Game of Roses if you're curious. There's a lot of very interesting shit in that as we went back through all of our notes, which at this point are literally yeah. thousands of pages. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally thousands I of think pages. It, I think this was one of our best episodes, though. We're just getting more and more professional as are our eras. We have to match the professional level of the era we are in. And, of course, we will be coming at you Thursday with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to be covering all the news that's happening out there in Bachelor Nation, which is, as it is every week now, it's a fucking... Exponentially more every week. (laughs) It is a tidal wave of all kinds of stuff that very generally has to deal with where the franchise is headed, who is going to be the host, what is happening with the After the Final Rose, which has taped, by the way. That exists now, the footage, and they are editing it to make it exactly what they want. And that's going to be fucking next week. And very soon, we're going to have the announcement of the next Bachelorette, Bachelorette number 18. Season 17. But the 18th Bachelorette. I'm very curious about when that announcement will be made whether it will be timed before the finale so that you haven't just seen a heartbreak storyline from probably michelle i mean we believe we know who the bachelorette is we won't say here because it's a spoiler but if you want to look it up reality steve has reported this confirmed this 
And it's going to be interesting what the reaction of Bachelor Nation is. And it's going to be interesting what the reaction of the franchise is to Bachelor Nation's reaction to this. <laughs> we will see. Time will tell. And a very short time indeed. We will be covering it all. But thanks again for joining us. And as always, before we go, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,924 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Rachel Lindsay. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in... Um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the... Tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. <laughs> and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping 
on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. (laughs) 